Welcome to Let's Talk podcast by Dan International with your host Prince Irunga. This is where we have conversations with Kenyans living abroad about their experiences and matters in investments back at home. Today, we are delighted to have Patrick Odoyo, who is founder and president at Friends of Dago, Karibo. Thank you so much, uh, Prince, for hosting me. I'm honored and humbled to be on the podcast with you today. Uh, my name is Patrick Odoyo. I'm currently located in Orlando, Florida, and I've been in, um, in the U.S. for about uh, 10 years now. I've been in uh, higher education generally, um, working as a consultant and a director for social innovation and social entrepreneurship programming at uh, two different universities over the last uh, eight years. Wow. Okay. So can you t- uh, talk about more about th- what is social innovation, maybe in your context? Help us understand what that is. Me, a uh, social innovator, is uh, the practice of putting people before yourself as a business or as an organization. So centering your uh, the needs of the people before okay. the service that you want to offer. So understanding the needs, the conditions, the, 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 the demands of those regions or the individuals, so that when you're designing a product or a service, it's to their interest mm-hmm. and not your personal gain. Uh, it's okay for an innovator to make money, but it should also be uh, mm-hmm. built to have uh, uh, the sustainable um, side of it for the benefit of yeah, that's pretty interesting um, when you're talking about maybe that social impact that is not just about the money, but it's about maybe the impact, uh, maybe that problem that you are solving. So essentially, um, that's what you call social in, uh, innovation or social entrepreneurship. Yeah, the goal of um, my efforts generally mm-hmm. has been how do you make sure that the young people are well equipped with the skills, uh, are exposed to the challenges and the community needs, mm-hmm. and then you provide them with the experiences uh, in the similar spaces. So when they graduate or when they start their own businesses or impact organization, they are able to leverage all those skills the, uh, and the talents and the experiences to make it better uh, for everyone that they are working with and for uh, along the way so that's that's always my target in everything that i do oh well uh that's fascinating i, I guess you more of like do what uh as that impact africa do <laughs> uh, maybe now in your in your side um basically inter, inter, uh, empowering entrepreneurs to maybe be that social change that uh, we need in this world and so um, the other thing that maybe I want to get your head around or maybe get your comments on it is um, I've seen you talk about design thinking. So what is that about? So design thinking um, is a methodology to me uh, where you actually have uh, steps to be able to come up with a solution. So mm-hmm. it, it's a term used to represent a set of cognitive uh, strategic and practical processes by which you design a concept and actually develop them along the way. So some people look at it as a methodology, others look at it as a, uh, from the purpose perspective, but the goal is to have a, a good process for creative uh, uh, problem solving. 
Awesome, awesome. And uh, you're part of the president of Friends of Dago. Uh, yeah, maybe can you talk a bit more about that? What, what do you do at Friends of Dago? What is the program all about? Uh, thank you for, for that. So this is uh, one of the non-profit arms that uh, we started here in the U.S. to help us um, mobilize um, resources and manpower and that could be volunteers, could be educators, could be researchers, could be uh, mission organizations that have interest and passion to work in Kenya specifically at this point. So I come from a village where um, western part of Kenya where there was a major need for a challenge of HIV and AIDS. Uh, but you can't only solve one problem in a community while you overlook uh, other issues. So the village itself is called Dago. So along the way, the people mm-hmm. who have the interest are the friends that join our initiative. So uh, my work and my efforts has always been on all the nine dimensions of well-being. Others look at it as eight dimensions okay. of well-being. Um, and that is, um, uh, I look, you can't solve educational problem if you have poverty. You cannot solve poverty and educational okay. problem if, if, if uh, there's financial problems as well. So uh, the goal was to make sure how do you bring all these components and by uh, creating a friendship network for collaborations. That's why our organization is called Friends of Dago focused on emotional, mental, environmental, financial, intellectual, occupational, physical, because we mm-hmm. uh, we also do uh, a sports and medical camp, then the social side of it, uh, and then spiritual is part of it, depending on who you are working with, um, you want to open the door so that everyone can participate. No, uh, that's that's a really great job that maybe you have embarked on uh, because I've seen uh, that you have a couple of sponsors or uh, as you call them friends of Dago um, who come and uh, maybe um, donate uh, some I've seen they are supposed to have three chicken I think one cock and two uh, I don't know what you call them uh, but yeah, yeah those are great initiatives and so um, what can you tell people out there about uh, friends of Dago if they maybe want to support or something I always let uh, the results speak for the work that's happening. Uh, When I talk about uh, school sponsorship, because I talked about Mm -hmm. the education, how do you really tie the pathway and uh, starting from the foundation all the way to to university? Uh, So we have an early childhood program we are are supporting. There's about 120 students on that. It's in partnership with the public school. Uh, so we make sure that we have three teachers that are paid. We provide resources for students. We provide the uniforms. So creating okay. that stronger foundation has always been the mission uh, as to the part of the well-being conversation that I was mentioning. And then we have high schools. Uh, we have a boarding a primary boarding uh, partner that just loves to send students to boarding schools, get them out of the community, expose them to other communities with the aim that they will bring new skills, new thoughts, new perspectives into the community as they interact with others. And then we have high school scholarships. Right now, we have about mm-hmm. 90 kids that are sponsored in high school. 
and then we support vocational oh. school and so far since 2010 we have about 25 graduates out of college so um when i talk about oh. designing with the intention and then you put the social mm -hmm. media uh, the, the social innovation concepts along the way then you you create that pathway to success so i'm just using that oh. one example of education to show how communities can design and uh, and support different uh, initiatives for success yeah and it's pretty interesting because uh, most of the businesses that uh, nowadays are are uh, maybe based around communities and um, that structure that you have is kind of um, enforcing that that if you have a community when you build a business the community is what matters essentially it's not maybe the uh, the products or the what but the the people that come around that and support that project essentially yes yes so just to complete uh, what you asked hmm. uh, i think the success of having 90 kids in uh, in high school full sponsorship for four years over 25 out of university right now we have a lot of them and vocational school if you just talk from that angle alone there's just so much success that everyone is talking about um, some of these students don't even know me they just know those foundations oh, okay. that i'm doing and are providing that service to the uh, to our community so our partnerships uh, is one of the key to the to achieving some of these initiatives yeah for sure and uh, you have said uh, the numbers actually always speak for themselves and so maybe I'll, I'll try to digress and maybe go to a bit about um have you ever tried maybe doing a, sub, a service back at home or, or maybe when you wanted to start that friends of dago back here um how how was that process like did you go for service providers or um how did you go about that whole process I mentioned that that's one of our arm um, the U.S. side because you know most people here we have the tax deductions for donations or for your time or for service. Mm -hmm. uh, we could work with the um, uh, with the on ground organization, which is a community based organization registered in Kenya, and so uh, yeah. to connect the two, yes, we had to get different. Uh, service provider for us to be able to meet the, the legal requirements, but also the organizational structure to, to put everything in place. Was that a hassle, um, that, that whole process? Was it a hassle or was it frictionless? Did you find information on time, even if when you're using those providers or how was that process like? <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, just as a Kenyan that I know you are, sometimes this uh, process can be very, very uh, time painful. demanding. <laughs> very, you know, a lot of times very painful too. Yeah. So yes, um, um, uh, it was a. It took longer than it should, but when you you're passionate and you have the drive, and you have the right people along the way that can support your initiatives, you make it work. So yes, it was a hassle the way you are saying, but I, I believe that uh, we made it uh, through uh, uh, with grace. Uh, awesome, awesome. So would you say that um, one key thing, did you have any trust issues with those people that you were maybe uh, having to uh, coordinate with on the ground? And how was the maybe communication with between you guys? How was it? Uh, was it poor? Was it good? 
Yeah, I think when you when you get the right people and they understand the mission, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I believe, um, you getting everyone on your side and understanding why you're doing what you're doing makes it much easier than if I say, hey, I want this done without clear understanding on the ground on what it is, uh, makes, makes it very difficult. So that process, the initial process of sharing and communicating the mission to make everyone understand might, uh, might be mm -hmm. very, very difficult. That's where there's a lot of miscommunication. Once you have that line and everyone understands mm -hmm. the goal or objective of what you're doing, it became um, uh, easier. Um, so, and will you say that you did, uh, did you experience any kind of um, misappropriation of funds? Because I'm, I'm guessing it was also a, a pretty resourceful or a pretty intensive in, in terms of resources. So did you have any issues with uh, those people that you're working with? Okay, or are, were they genuine and they were trustworthy? They are open with their books. Um, so how was that like? Mm -hmm. So uh, having been that I'm from that community, I grew up mm -hmm. there, I left Kenya when I was 26. I already understand how the system works. Um, one way that I've really shifted for transparency and accountability is mm -hmm. engaging both the, uh, the donors or supporters with the program um, um, uh, people on the ground. So they have the direct and I just make sure that I support and make sure that everything aligns. Uh, most of my supporters go to Kenya uh, on an annual basis, so at least once a year. They see the results, they meet, and these meetings, wherever they are there. Uh, that has made it easier on issues of transparency and trust and things like that, because there's that direct communication, direct uh, uh, openness, and access, accessibility to information has uh, taken all this away. So um, I've not experienced a case of, of, uh, of distrust or mistrust in all the programs that we've built. It has always been, we, you will all have challenges because cultural and operational differences does happen, but there's no issue of or funds were stolen or something like that. Well, uh, that's, pretty, that, that's new because maybe a lot of people who are living in diaspora, um, they say that a lot of challenges come when um, they have, they are sending money and whatever they want done, it's not being done. And so um, maybe having those that reliable pattern on the ground um, to have uh, take care of your needs, I think that was the most um luckiest of i don't know <laughs> partnerships <laughs> so to speak <laughs> when i come home too so i'm home oh. at least one year so along with the uh, uh my um support base who are running this initiatives from here visiting every year i'm also uh, i go home every year so there's that uh, beef, uh buffer to make sure that everything aligns Wow, awesome, awesome. And then maybe uh, just give us a sense of that time period because you, you, you expected it uh, the project to maybe take a certain uh, amount of time. So how, how much did it actually take on the, on the, on the other side? Yeah, yeah thank you, thank you for, for, for asking that. I think one of, uh, I'm actually in the middle of um, um, 
working with a partner right now to get a, a vocational tailoring school in our area. Okay. And um, just the process of getting uh, the architectural approval and the government visiting sites for approval and getting all the drawings passed. Um, and if you add it to the COVID situation right now, it has really dragged. It's just a mess. Behind. Yes, yeah. And, and at this time, I can understand and empathize with all parties because we don't know how this is happening and those government approval processes and also the architecture moving uh, around uh, has been a, a, mm -hmm. an interesting uh, draw for, for the project to even get off the ground yet. So I think this is one of those that has really taken longer than I thought. And um, uh, I'm also empathetic uh, and patient with, uh, with what's going on. Yeah, uh, that's really uh, awesome and maybe unfortunate because maybe things uh, are taking longer than expected. Um, so you have highlighted some of the things that maybe you looked for in a service provider, like essentially like um, you had to trust them, um, that you, you're actually even availing yourself there and you're putting uh, the partners and the donors in constant communication. So um, what are among the other things that maybe made you consider those people as uh, the people who actually execute that on the ground for you? How do I pick the people that yeah. do yeah. the execution? Yeah. I actually don't. <laughs> I actually don't. Who does it for you? <laughs> Sometimes you see the passion and drive in an individual. Okay. And how sometimes they get uh, to run with the project. Uh, but just that's one way of, of getting the young people involved and engaged and then mentoring them and teaching them the leadership skills along the way. Um, we have a committee of 17 that oversee all the programming that happens in my, in my village. Mm -hmm. And that's five different subclans in the area. This committee sits at least um, every every month just to reevaluate and see where the needs are and with that they inform our engagement and direct what we, we should be working on so understanding and being flexible in that way has actually brought in that uh, commitment of the all region mm -hmm. uh, and with that commitment the protection and the accountability now runs uh, is run by by that committee, so oh, okay. I I hardly pick anyone on the leadership uh, or engagement. Mm -hmm. I just make sure that we have been strong enough to support what we are doing. Is who you work with okay. and you learn their work style, uh, teach where engage them in leadership development along the way, and technology uh, training as well. So it makes it very very easier for me not to be deeply amended in everything get the right people yeah. who are committed passionate to do do what they love to do yeah uh, i think that's it just just it, uh, getting the right people on board and yeah maybe what are your final thoughts as you conclude you know the work that uh, john is doing and what you guys are building and collecting data around is mm -hmm. very very much needed and it was well long overdue and i hope as you you're doing this 
uh, podcasts and sharing stories. I'm sure it's all different spectrums, good experiences, bad experiences, middle, middle ground, and people who have given up along the way. Uh, but you guys having that and making it available uh, for, for, uh, uh, for information, or to inform the, the marketplace and help the diasporas be able to use you and all other organizations that want to provide service is, is, is great. So I just want to applaud you guys to continue what you're doing and give everyone that space to, to share. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. And yeah, um, yeah. We, this marks the end of our podcast. Dan International is on a mission to connect Africans living abroad to their home countries through informed investments and transparent operations. Our vision is to be a trusted service provider in the real estate, remittance, and repatriation sectors as we participate in the economic development of the African community. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us at Dan International across all our social media platforms and stay tuned.